We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brass Adamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another edition of the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are now a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. I got my normal guys. I got John Van Etten, the guy who got kicked out of class in high school for watching Inception. What's going on, John? I don't recall, but it could have been one of many or one of a few. Who knows? Uh, I remember that story. I wasn't in that class, but we never let it down. Speaking of someone in high school, math class buddy Brad Kilgore, who did not have the twists back in the day. What's going on? You're making it sound like I'm in high school right now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone that knows that knows you aren't. What's going on, man? Not much. We got Toby Z, Mr. Z2 Fantasy, making his triple play fantasy debut. What's going on, Graphics God? Hey, happy to be here. Ah, We're happy to have you, too, but... All of you guys are no ones compared to this guy. And we welcome in a man who is making his second triple play fantasy appearance. The man who can take at least four tequila shots in an hour. Those are his words. If he can only use one utensil the rest of his life, he's choosing a knife. The current offensive coordinator for the Tennessee State Tigers. We welcome in offensive guru Hugh Jackson. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It's always that... A pleasure to see you guys. You guys have a tremendous team and looking forward to talking a little football. Oh, yeah. And it is draft season. All of us pretend GMs and coaches are ready to see if we're right or wrong. But, Hugh, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you on the job. You rightfully deserve to be back in football. And I know you haven't coached football in college in 20 years. So Brad has a question about kind of the new journey, the new journey you're going to have. Yeah, Hugh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how do you go about coaching differently, college kids versus pros? Is there any difference? Do you kind of take the same approach? How do you look at that? Well, it's really interesting. I think you make more of an impact with college kids than sometimes you can with the pros. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're hang on you every word. Uh, they want to be coached because they're trying to get to the next level. Uh, they do everything normally they can to please the coach. I think the portal this new portal they got out there in college football might change some of that. But <laughs> at the same time, I think it's um, a tremendous opportunity for me to go back. Um, when I was last in college, I had recruited two Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, so I felt I felt real good about uh, going back and coaching college football. But more so than that, I feel good about the man I'm working for in Eddie George. Yeah, and uh, uh, quite a famous player in the NFL. 
And as we mentioned, the draft talk has been dominating the news for the past few months. We've all made some bold predictions, planted our flags on certain players, and Thursday night we're going to see the results. We've all pretended to be in the leadership roles for our favorite teams at some point. I know as a 49ers fan, I have. And today we have someone that's actually gone through that. And he was was here to break down the NFL draft from a head coach perspective. Now, by the time the NFL season is underway, there's a good idea of some of the top prospects that are coming out, teams of scouts. And I imagine when you're with a team that's involved that, you know, you're going to have a top pick. It is extra important to make sure everybody's on the same page. And I'm sure that some of the people that work for the team have of their personnel have their relationships with some college affiliates. And I know John had a question kind of about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any positive or negative sort of relationships with, you know, whether it be programs or coaches and any sort of biases that sort of play into that, whether it's, you know, a head coach, you know, really likes a program and how they're run or they steer clear from that and sort of how much does that impact the draft day decisions? I think all of those things that you just mentioned uh, impact the draft day decisions. Uh, and you have to dig into all of those. I think they're all very important because if a guy comes from a, a program that is uh, well coached uh, and he, uh, you know, plays extremely well, you might look at him just a little bit different than a guy who's talented but comes from a different program just because you know what you're going to get from that player. And um, in the National Football League, I think you guys know that the name of the game is winning. Um, you, and it's also the name of the game sometimes is developing talent. But sometimes you see talent and they might have already topped out. And if they have, you don't want to be putting that guy on your team. You need a guy to get better. And, and show his value and earn his, earn his keep by the way he plays. So sometimes uh, these are the most, uh, what, what can I say, tough times or times, I shouldn't say tough, but times when there's a lot of conversations that go on and you have to have those deep digging conversations and push people on the things that they truly believe in about the player. Because once you make a decision and draft him, he's yours. So you got to make sure you're going to put that that chip on the right guy. And especially if you're picking at a premium spot in those first five, six, eight, 10, 12 players that are going to be drafted, those guys got to be big time players. And if you make a mistake, you could set your organization back by two or three years. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a want to you want to have a lot of confidence in what you pick in. And, you know, scouting is done year round. And now the final week of April, besides the one time it was in May, the big night is here. And lives will change, as you mentioned. And it's probably one of the few days in the NFL calendar where every team has some optimism. I don't think anyone comes out of the draft and is like, oh, man, we screwed this up. Roger Goodell comes out, (laughs) says a few words. Sure that. (laughs) I I don't know. This is news to us. All right. Actually, Hugh, now that you mentioned that, I did have a question. Um, Have you ever had to persuade an owner to trust your scouting over picking their guy? Oh, you're absolutely freaking right. I have. <laughs> how did how did you go about it? What did you have? What what persuaded them? I, I whether it was leaving written notes, whether it was showing video, whether it was just being very uh, determined and steadfast in my belief. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and I was right. I can tell you guys, <laughs> I was absolutely right. You got to name the players now. Miles Garrett. Miles, yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> I feel like he was the consensus number one. Who was who were who were the other people throwing out there? You guys have already heard me say it. I I think at the time we we were competing with Mitchell Trubisky. 
Oh, yeah, that was definitely the right decision. <laughs> and I'm an offensive guy. So if I'm I'm screaming for a defensive player and I not that I didn't like Mitchell, but I knew that I knew what Miles Garrett was and what he was going to be. And and it's it's turned out to be very true. Yeah. And you were right <laughs> on that. And, you know, I think you're kind of talking about the room itself and the atmosphere. And so Toby is our Browns fan on the panel. And I know he wants to ask specifically about how it is on draft night. I just, I just want to ask because I know everybody in here besides you have never been in one, and we'd all dream to be of one in one one day. Just what, what is it like on draft day to be in that war room with all those guys and just that ten minutes gets on the clock and it's just madness. You know what? It's really awesome, but at the same time, you've really rehearsed it. You know, we have everybody have those mock drafts, and uh, you feel good about uh, the players or the group of players that could be there when you're getting ready to pick. Uh, and normally every team, especially in the first round, they're probably going to have two or three guys that they really like and that they'd be willing to take. And you're hoping that th- that guy falls to you. Uh, it was interesting when I was in Cleveland, we were picking, we we're always picking at the top of the draft. So, uh, you know, we, we had the real goal that everybody else wanted. So uh, what my job was to make sure that we just didn't give it all away. You know, <laughs> let's not give it to somebody else to get, but it's a time where a lot of the hard work comes together uh, in where the vision of the organization really should meet and the collaboration of the organization should really meet. Cause it's, you got to have a consensus on a player and you got to make sure that that player is the right fit for your organization. Yeah. And you no, know, you had kind of mentioned, and I'm curious cause you brought up trades. What's the process behind that? Do you wait for a team to contact you? Do you reach out to them? Have you built relationships with some of the other general managers and front office throughout the years where it's like, oh, hey, I know they're looking for a quarterback or I know that they're looking to move up in the draft. They have a lot of capital. Kind of walk us through that process. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So if you're in a position where you're at the top of the draft, you might have the availability to move back a few spots still get the player you want and let the team get above you and select the player that they really need. And, and again, you hear of trade value and it's a point system and people try to see, I mean, how many points, is this a good trade if we do this and you try to determine, is it going to affect you whether it's early in a draft or later in a draft? And so you have to make the right decision that way. And then there's times where you at the, the top of the draft and you want to slide down. Because you have looked at your the list of players and you know that maybe at 14, 15, 16, somewhere around in there, the players are similar. And you're going to get a really good football player that can help your football team at, at a position. And you feel good about that by picking up more draft capital. So now you have a chance to put better players at another position on your team. So, I mean, you, you have those relationships, as you mentioned. Uh, with all the GMs, as you know, on that day, everybody has everybody's number. Uh, mm-hmm. The coach is able to be called. The GM is able to be called. The owner is able to be called. And so the phone starts to ring and the negotiation starts to happen. Do you want to move up? Do you want to move down? Is your player there? And uh, what's really interesting is really interesting because people don't say who the player is. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody says it's, it's this guy. What they'll say is, our guy, if our guy's there, you know, we'll call you back to make this trade. Are you interested? And the team would go, well, yeah. But they have already worked out what the compensation would be before that is is going to happen. So it's really interesting. It happens fast. Um, you know, the point total is important uh, on that particular trade. And, uh, boy, but it, it that part of it 
if I can say anything to you guys, it's very exciting in that room. That phone rings and there's a possibility of a trade uh, because it's just an exciting uh, uh, time. Is is the basis of is the basis of trade sort of the reason why even though you've had the first pick for you know two three months you still take that full ten minutes because that always gets me when the draft starts. There's been months everybody sort of knows who's going to get picked, but they take all ten minutes. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you, it bothers the heck out of me too. Like, like, yes, <laughs> just make the pick and let's get this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, that's all for for TV. Honestly, I think it's too oh, okay. uh, for long the. Everybody's sitting there waiting and watching and going, I told you that's what they were going to do. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's more for TV than anything. Teams know exactly what they're going to do today. They really do. Uh, that might be one or two teams that are maybe tossing um, back and forth with scouts and coaches about a player here or there. But for the most part, this, this draft is already decided and people know where, where, who they're going to draft. And, and there's some players already know who they're going to get drafted by. You know, yeah. I think if there's not a trade, the first five picks, you should know. There's not that many permutations or combinations. Just boom, 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 boom. Then we kick it off at pick yeah. six. Go on. Hey, look, you need to run the draft. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hugh, Hugh, we had a we had an interesting question from a listener here. I'm curious, you know, if when mocks do come out, I'm sure they don't uh, affect your selection at all. But, you know, when you're talking about potential trades, I'm sure you're curious, you know, who – who a team may have an eye on. Do you look at the mock drafts at all? Um, not really, because I think what we really put a lot of stock in is our own personal mock draft. As I said earlier, every team goes through it. Um, I mean, in real big detail, uh, every coach takes a team. Scouts will even take teams. And you try to at least go through four to five rounds, if you can, and, and try to see what players potentially could be there uh, when you get there, and I, and I will say this to you, I know that there's sometimes coaches do use the mocks because they got to say a player, you know, and yeah. sometimes the scouts will too. But for the most part, the mock draft that the, the scouts and coaches do together with the organization is what they really put a lot of stock into. Yeah, I know the 49ers came out today and said, we don't care what the fans say or what the mock experts say. We're making our own pick. Now, you had mentioned that, they took the Browns listened to you and they took Miles Garrett number one in seventeen or in twenty seventeen and I think it was the organization there was the direction to take a QB in twenty eighteen, but for those other picks, do you take the best player available or do you try to uh, fill a specific position first? Kind of those later picks are, are something where it's not a premium. How do you get your guy? I think it's still truly about taking the best um, talent that's on the board. Uh, and especially that talent might be better than what you're playing with, which then gives you a chance to do what? Trade. You know, gets that player may get traded. The, not the player you draft, the other player may get traded. Uh, I think those scenarios happen from time to time. Uh, there are times when you need a fit. You know, there's you know you're a player away from being really good on offense, defense, or special teams, and that guy is sitting there. Then it can become about fit, but everybody will tell you, you have to take the best player on the board when you have a chance to take him. Now, as I said earlier, there's not, there's not 32 great players in a draft, right? There's mm -hmm. probably six, seven, eight, nine, and they don't all go run one through nine. It might be one and 31, you know, you just never know. But at the same time, if you do your homework, uh, if you have a profile of a player as a, of, as an organization, 
you know what you're looking for, you know what the coach's strengths are, uh, what they're going to bring out of the player, nine times out of ten, you have a chance of getting it right. And when you have Sachi Brown on the staff, I'm sure the man loves to pull off trades more than anyone. <laughs> no, I, true. Paul D. Podesta and Sachi Brown love to pull off trades. It's like it's they Madden just watched the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner. <laughs> Awful movie, by the way. <laughs> I think so, they traded back like twelve times in that. <laughs> oh man. Oof. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We we came close. <laughs> so I mean, so Hugh, if you have the if you have the choice to you know choose between having multiple picks where you can you know pick a bunch of guys that you think are going to be talented versus just going with a few picks that you like, you know, do you prefer the trade back strategy or just go get your guy up high? It all depends on what I have on my team already. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it all starts. What kind of football team are we? Uh, Every team wants as much talent as you can get, but you can't pass up generational talent for guys who are good players. The guys who are great players, they only come every once in a while and you only get your hands on them every once in a while so if i have a chance to take a great player i'm going to take the great player before i ever put a whole bunch of other players on the team because they might the the good of that sum of four or five players still might not be good as that one great player Mm -hmm. now for veterans that are on the block and i'm thinking about when you know odell beckham got traded to the browns organization is there a preference for teams that are viewed as a win now mode or oh hey we can already get an established nfl player you know, do teams view rookies on, you know, making lower compensation versus, you know, pro bowl or all pro players that are disgruntled with their team? Is there a preference? Oh yeah. There's preferences. I mean, it goes back to the same thing we just talked about. What do you have? If you have a group of young receivers and you have a chance to add a, a premium veteran player to that room, who's going to be consistent and someone you can truly depend on, it's going to help the number one position of all of pro football, right? The quarterback, you know, and I know we're not just talking about receiver, talking about any position. I think you have to look at it that way. You know, if I have a bunch of young guys who haven't had their wins, their personal wins in the NFL, then I'm going to be in trouble because I'm counting on these guys to get them against some of the best players in the world. So I need to have somebody who's done it at a high level consistently because that's going to give me a chance to win. Yeah. And, you know, you have been around for a lot of drafts. And I know Toby has a question about who you've seen that really has jumped off the chart and caught your eyes. Who is the best player that you've seen in person or on tape that you may have scouted or just watched film on before draft? Well, it's amazing. There's been quite a few. I mean, there's been a lot. Um, But I know for me personally, when I think through it, the guy that wooed me was Michael Vick. Michael Vick was Ooh. different, you know, because uh, oh, yeah. when you looked at him, Mike's not the biggest guy in the world, you know, uh, but if people would go, look, Mike wasn't hurt a lot, you know, and he was phenomenal running with the football, throwing the football, just playing the game. I mean, at one time, he's one of the highest played quarterbacks in the history of the league. And um, when you watched him play college ball, it was like video game. He was just all over the place and made throws, runs that people go, wow, you know. So, and same thing with Lamar Jackson. You know, when you think of guys that that played and you go, wow, they're just different. They jump off the tape at you. And those guys were really, really good in, in college. Do, do you see a generational guy in this draft? 
Um, there could be a couple. You know, I, I mean, again, this is going to be a very interesting draft. I think we all know who the first pick will be. I think we all, there's a consensus of who the second pick will be. But from pick three on, I think it's going to be a question. You know, it's going to be uh, the kid from Alabama. Is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Justin Fields ran 4-4 and can make every throw there is in football and play at Ohio State. Exactly. That, so, I don't, I don't I understand. I don't understand the BYU the who the the guy Zach number Wilson. two Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. yeah I, what I, I feel like I just woke up one day and everybody was like he's the number two pick and I I don't get it <laughs> I I get it and it's really interesting because when you think of uh, uh Mr Jones he had just as good a year as Beryl yeah you exactly know? so it's exactly. just amazing to me and and I see why he's going up the chart and he should be but the for people to say that maybe Justin Fields is falling you got to be crazy does yeah, I have a scenario. Do you looking back at the Browns? No one thought Johnny Manziel would fall that far down, and Zach Wilson has that comp to Johnny Manziel. Do you think we see a Johnny a Zach Wilson slide down the board, or do you think? Yeah, I it's don't set in stone. And I love that you said the word comp. I I, I don't buy into a lot of that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he's gonna slide. I think he is a talented player. Uh, I do agree with what's being said. I mean, is he above all these other guys? I mean, wow. You know, and uh, I think he's talented, but is he better than Justin Fields? Is he better than Mr. Jones? I, I, I don't know that. And again, I, I'm not, a, I didn't go to the workouts. I didn't spend the time with the players, but um, it's interesting. I mean, is, is Trevor Lawrence the first pick of the draft? Mm-hmm. Well, let I mean, me ask you, do you think conversation? Do you think Justin Fields' stock has taken a hit because of the report that came out that he has epilepsy and seizures and potentially being in a stadium with bright lights and loud noises could affect his play? Let me ask you this. Who said it? Uh, I don't know who first reported it, but NBC Sports, SB Nation, the Buckeye Extra. But it always uh, matters where the leak is coming from. There you go. And listen, if the head coach isn't saying that, if the offensive coordinator isn't saying that, who, how can anybody else say that? That's that, a good point. It's me. We put way too much stock into what others are saying. Let's hear what the coach has to say. Let's hear what the coordinator has to say. I, I could care less with somebody who got a friend somewhere else is trying to help somebody else says something. I, I, I never bought into that. I think you got to know what you see and see what you know. And you got to have, you know, truly believe in, in how you evaluate, not just the quarterback position, but any position. And understand what you're getting. I mean, what you see is what you get. I will tell you guys that. There's no question about that. And if you just take that thought process, Justin Fields is as good as anybody in this draft. We uh we got a great question from Dave here. How do relationships between opposing coaches help with trade leverage? Uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, every coach should be true to his organization. You know, you mm-hmm. can't can't work your buddy because your buddy might need to give you a job. And so I I think everybody tries to be very fair about that. And uh, one thing every organization is truly against, and you guys hear it and see it all the time, is leaks. Leaks and people giving information that that maybe they shouldn't let out. Does it happen? You absolutely darn right it happens. Uh, And do do coaches talk at this time? They do and they try not to because they don't want to be caught up in something within their organization that people think they're leaking out information. So um, does it help? It didn't help. I mean, 
I think a lot of people thought when San Francisco traded, right, that they were going to go get Zach Wilson. I mean, that looks like Shanahan's type of guy, right? Guy can move around, athletic, quick arm, those type of things. And the Jets said, we're taking this guy. <laughs> You know, we're not doing you no favors because you came from here to become the head coach at the Jets. So I think um, there there is some instances where guys have conversations, but more so than not, I don't think it really, really holds water in the National Football League. Is it the so, opposite where they don't want to help him out, but they're like, no, I'm not trading with somebody like, you know, Bill Belichick. He'll rip me off again. Well, he shouldn't rip you off. If you let him rip you off, he's going to rip you off. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh no, I mean, at the end of the day, look, every organization going to do what's best for them. If, if I'm going to trade with whoever and they're going to give me what I want, I'm trading, you know? I uh, I have a question. Are there any, like, conspiracy theories with the leaks? Like, you know, you look at a situation like Laramie Tunsil where it's like, wow, this just came out of nowhere. Now this top flight guy has just fallen. Oh, look, wow, he's just right on my lap right now. Like, does that ever – do you guys ever think the leaks come straight up from the teams? Oh, it goes – sometimes it goes both ways. It might – Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think it doesn't. Now, listen, everybody's trying to find an edge, right? Right, right. If mm-hmm. I put out that I like this player and you think I do and you take you, you all of a sudden go take him because I really didn't want him, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, boy, this guy was involved in this. and Oh, that slipped out. Where'd that come from? Oh, man, the guy just fell. Oh, well, I, we got a chance to get him. I mean, if you think that that doesn't happen, then I think you guys are all mistaken. This, oh, is, big wow. this is big business, right? Wow. Oh, yeah. Best players on your team. You do whatever within the rules. There's no rule against that, right? What, what's the rule? There's None. No, against that that says you can't say something that might be a little misleading you know about something uh, to get what you want everybody does that at some point in time so Hugh we've kind of beat around the bush but as a 49ers fan I'm curious in your gut who are they taking at three (laughs) at Jones oh oh geez I was hoping you'd say someone else do you like do you like Mac Jones Justin Fields okay you like Fields you weren't feeling that uh-oh, he wasn't feeling that. Who you Nah, want? I wasn't. Mac Jones has a dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> worried about the bod. Can he complete the ball? Can he run the offense? <laughs> and last time I checked at Alabama, man, this guy lit it up. That's because they're better than everybody. He he all four, his players are open. Didn't he run 4-7? Yeah. And you still worried about the body. You know what? It's just – it's different. If the pros are they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger – if they were going to, I wasn't a fan of them trading up to three. So the same people who are going to be playing in the pros that he played against in the SEC, what, what does that mean? Then? I mean, not everyone he played against in the SEC is going to be in the pro. Oh, a whole bunch of them will be, though. That's, that's the number one conference that they come out of. Hugh, if Mac Jones is good, you can let me know that I was on this pod <laughs> April 26th. Yeah, and I, I was going to say word. No, Eric, just, what do you he, possibly have to offer Hugh Jackson in case he like out he outdoes you on this one? <laughs> uh, I'll buy, buy a the tequila. Of, yeah, I'll buy yeah, a bunch I'll, of his We'll tequila. buy a case of tequila. I will say you better put your order in because I do believe he's a good player. Okay. okay. Well, so Hugh, Hugh, what do you think about the guys like you know Trey Lance that come from? They're not from the D one powerhouses. How do you evaluate them? Do you say okay, what kind of talent is he up against, or do you just look at the tools? I really don't. I, I look at the tools. I mean, it was the same thing I did with Carson Wentz, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, it gets down to evaluating of what you want and what you need, right? 
And, and if a player demonstrates, I learned this from Bill Walsh, if a player demonstrates what you're looking for, that means he can do it. Yeah. Don't, don't have the real, well, he can't do it because he's at this school. Can he do it? Because if he's doing it there, there's a good chance he's going to do it in the NFL. You know? And you have to you have to truly believe that. You have to have conviction about that because people will back you down. Well, this guy went to so-and-so, so-and-so school. He didn't play Alabama. He didn't play against Florida. You know? That doesn't matter. In the National Football League, they come from all walks, different schools, different draft picks, different rounds, all of it. You know? Can the guy play football? And that's the most important question. And we're talking with Hugh Jackson, a man that has been there at the college level, been there at the pro level, going back to the college level. Hugh, we did this last time. I promised you this time. Get you out with a little rapid fire, some this or that. The questions are different than last time. You gave okay. me- Let's go. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. Want to hear more Triple Play? Well, great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and basketball show that you can also check out Available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being the bee's knees and give us a five-star rating and review to support the show. Check us out on our social media at Trip Play Fantasy. Myself and Bradley run our social media and provide daily questions, tweets that get more likes than David's, and of course, our weekly episode drops. If you want to keep the fun going, check out our website, tripplayfantasy.com. All the best articles, videos, podcasts, and more at the mecca that's known as Triple Play Fantasy. Thank you to every one of our listeners each and out there every single week by listening, supporting, watching, and interacting with us. If you're watching the live version, we're not going anywhere. But if you're on the podcast version, we will jump into the 2021 draft show right after this quick break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we're back. All right, question one. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Why not? Because it it has none of the say it doesn't have lettuce, it doesn't have pickles, tomatoes, all the you can, hot dog you talking about. So you can put relish. Relish is pickles. That's, that's pickle relish. I'm saying pickles. <laughs> that's different. All right. All right. I respect it. Would you rather have a hook for a hand or a peg for a leg? I'm a hook the hand, baby. Because you never know when somebody's going to come up on you, right? Yeah. Benny, Benny can use a fork or a knife, uh, fork or a spoon for that other question because he already has the hook. <laughs> there we go. Would you rather wake up in bed next to a porcupine or a skunk? Porcupine. I don't like the smell. I, I mean, are you afraid that the needles are going to hurt? He's got a hook. He's got I, knives. I can't, <laughs> I can't handle stinkiness. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Dinner with Morgan Freeman or Samuel L. Jackson? Both. Both. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I, that's, that's usually a tough one we have, but I like that you're going with both. What was the name of your high school crush? Norma. And I know you had one. Norma. Norma. Mm-hmm. Do you Shout still out talk Norma. to her at all? 
Oh, I've talked to her from time to time. Be careful now. Don't get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, won't. we don't want to ruin any happy marriage you got going on. Would you rather ruin the surprise at a surprise party or show up and realize too late it's a black tie event? Uh, show up too late and realize it's a black tie event. I'm, yeah. comfortable. I'm comfortable in my own skin, though. Yeah, there you go. There's no worse feeling than ruin a surprise party. Right. All right, we got three left. Would you rather always hit a red light for the rest of your life or, or, or always get slow internet after the sun goes down? Always get slow internet after the sun goes down. Okay. All right. The man doesn't need his Wi-Fi like that. Mm -mm. Would you rather sleep on the floor, no blankets or pillows for one year, or every year or every shower you take for one year, the water has to be cold? Every shower for one year, the water has to be cold. All right. You need a it's good bracing. night. You know, huh. it's John said it's freezing. Oh, it's bracing. I, It'll wake you up. I'll take uh -oh. water. I like being cold. He's taking oh. ice bath, ass baths for four. All right. And the last one who wins in an arm wrestling match? You or Bob Wiley? I'll whoop Bob Wiley's ass. All right. We need to set this up because Bob said he's whooping your ass. He don't, he don't want the smoke. <laughs> we had Al Saunders on too, and Al Saunders said that he's beaten Bob Wiley. So Bob Wiley seems like the weak link. Yeah, well, he, 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 you know, all that strength stuff is not Bob's thing. Now Bob can coach some football, though. I tell you that much. <laughs> the the opening lines at Hugh versus Bob Wiley in arm wrestling are minus two hundred. Hugh Jackson, you're the heavy favorite over Bob Wiley. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, that's just like Jake Paul and some of these other guys. Yeah, was, can can we, we set this up as a pay-per-view event? And that's what I'm saying. Let's <laughs> there we go. All right. Let's do it. Next, next time, we're going to bring Hugh and Bob Wiley together, and they're going to do an arm wrestling <laughs> match. And we're all putting our money on Hugh. Absolutely. And I'll even give him a, a, a start. I'll start low and let him <laughs> Oh, wow, that's some real confidence oh. right now. Oh, listen here. I already know what time it is. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, coming from the guy that never skips the gym, Hugh Jackson. <laughs> you know what? Your odds just went up. I, anyone that got in early, the odds are minus 300 now. <laughs> Hugh, we really appreciate you joining us on. Thank you so much. I know your schedule is a little bit busy. Um, and just best of luck at Tennessee State. You are the man, and I think we're all rooting for you to go to the head coach position, to have whatever job that you wish for, because you truly do deserve it. Thank you, man. I, it's always a pleasure. You guys are awesome. I said that earlier. Uh, I think you, do, you guys do a great job. You guys work well together, and looking forward to being on here again. Oh, hey. awesome. Well, after the college season, we'll have to have you back on. Yes, sir. Everybody, everybody watching, make sure you tune in for some future episodes, and we'll catch you guys next time.